0: Off the ball. It's actually quite an ugly game um, from spectators' point of view, but I think that the whole of Ireland doesn't really care.
1: (laughs) Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.
2: Delighted to be joined, as always, for the news round by Monaghan's finest, Shane Hannan, and Offaly's finest, Will O'Callaghan. Gents, how are we getting on? Afternoon, John. Good, thanks. What is happening? There's golf, there's Formula One, there's tennis, there's Women's League of Ireland games...
1: At least we have some bits. Some of the other sports now are going to get the the focus that uh, they might otherwise not have had. Yes. Uh, given the weekend that's in it. But um yeah, no no Premier League games. You you miss it, don't you, when it's when you've built it built up all week to your uh, to your little Premier League uh fixtures that you've been pinpointing all week and then they're pulled away, it's it leaves a gaping hole. But then we've got the we've got the golf and we've got um Leona Maguire doing well as well in the LPGA Tour and Monza as well. It Monza brings back um as I was saying to the lads during the week some some bad memories for me because last year I had the, the choice of choosing the Spa Grand Prix or the Monza Grand Prix as my pick for my first ever Formula 1. How often do you tell the story about Spa and the rain? I, I, I try not to tell it too often, but I've unfortunately had to bring it up uh, a couple of times. I'd like uh,
3: now in the smoking area of many a pub, this story yeah, has been worn off someone's it's ear. It's
1: come up, yeah, big time. But like, I chose Spa because it rains, ironically enough, and I thought this is going to cause mayhem and it's going to be a great race. It usually is at the Belgian Grand Prix. But sadly, there was too much rain, and uh, lo and behold, the following week in Monza, the race I didn't go to, lovely sun, my favourite driver, Daniel Ricciardo, wins the race, Uh, first win for McLaren in a decade, I think, so I had an absolute howler. There, so yeah, but but l- l- I hope everyone enjoys the sun in Monza this afternoon and tomorrow. Well, I'm, you, not, I'm not bitter at all. You've got the story out of the way anyway about spas. so exactly. Um, That's the last time I'm going to talk about that story ever today, <laughs> ever on air. Anyway, on air, it's, it's We also have month. Long
2: Jean Irish Champions weekend, uh, eight races at Leopardstown today, and the Curra tomorrow with the Champion Stakes today and the Saint Ledger tomorrow. Can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, there's also a bit of a worry, isn't there now, about football next weekend because obviously police, with the the funeral of Queen Elizabeth whenever that does take place.
1: Yeah, that seems to be the issue. So doubts over whether next weekend's games will be able to to go ahead. Um, Myself and Will were chatting about this earlier. The issue is the police officers from England likely to be redeployed to London ahead of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral, which would, of course, result in a shortage of officers to work at fixtures. Games in the Premier League and English Football League already postponed, of course, this weekend. And the cancellation of more matches would add to an already congested season due to the World Cup. So it's just a matter now of... Where do they put these games? I mean, do these games go to the end of the season? You mentioned well earlier that the Champions League finals in pretty quick succession.
3: Yeah, there's no wiggle room really. I actually thought that next weekend's games were far likely to more likely to be postponed than this weekend. You've got the international whip break just after the fixtures which are due to be played next weekend. International call-ups are on Sunday. It seems that the royal funeral will take place on Monday. But as Shane has mentioned, because of the fact that. Police are likely to be redeployed, stadiums could be used potentially um, during the week as well as places where people can go to pay their respects and to sign books of condolences and so on as well, which adds to a little bit more. And then you've got, in the mix of that, the games particularly that are in the Europa League and the Conference League on Thursday. So Manchester United, Arsenal, West Ham are all in action. So even if they decided to bring the games forward to Saturday, it makes it messy for those three, ga- three teams to have to play twice in 48 hours. Which means next weekend just looks statistically very, very difficult, which will perhaps call even more into question the decision to call off all games in the Premier League Championship in EFL for this weekend. So it's a complete and utter mess because there's only seven days from the end of the World Cup until the resumption of the Premier League. What about midweeks? Are there midweek windows? <laughs> there's not many for the championship. There's not many League. because there are obviously Maybe there might be in February or March that could be midweek. And then you've cup competitions plus Europe mixed into that too. So look, potentially... They may have looked at it and said, "Hey, there are possibly some small windows that they can fit it in." Yeah. But as far as free weeks go, there are none left at this stage. And there's an international week that comes up just after the Champions League final too. So I think there is very much a hard date on when the season has to finish. So it's mad
1: how, like, I guess before the season and even during the season, the talk was how congested the fixtures were. I guess nobody really saw something like this coming that they could, like, you know, take away another couple of fixture weekends out of the, the schedule. Like the lad, the lads talked about it on, on the news round during the week and off the ball and and like. Whatever your views are on the monarchy and 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 uh, colonialism and all of the rest, a lot of people's attitudes have changed in England and, and Britain. Uh, you know, so whatever side of the aisle you fall down, would Queen Elizabeth herself have wanted such a disruption to to society? I don't know. And 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 it's it's one of those things. If next weekend is the funeral, as well said, or Monday week, then the games next weekend maybe should be the ones that are. That are halted, and I get people over there want to have their period of mourning and whatever else it is, but yeah, it it just it's strange that it's not one rule for everyone. The FA have obviously made the decision to cancel the sport, but then I mean we're sitting watching sport in England live in front of us here at Wentworth. After uh, one of the most
3: bizarre moments, Shane, on Thursday evening, where the players at Wentworth had to pick up the ball where they were <laughs> on Thursday during the first round when play was halted. And then there was real concern whether Wentworth would finish. You know, the jokes obviously went around. Maybe this becomes a 54-hole tournament, yeah. which is what happened eventually. It becomes left golf. golf. Exactly. The left <laughs> golfers who yeah. were playing have been getting plenty of experience over the last couple of months of playing this uh, format. So uh, that was slightly strange. I mean, it feels a little bit unprecedented because of the fact that you've had a monarch who ruled for 70 years. And things were very different back in 1952 than they are compared to now. But um, yeah, I mean...
2: I I, I, I don't really have an issue with the games being called off. What I'm kind of surprised about was the lack of a plan. Uh, for any any eventuality, what would you do regarding all events? I was
3: very surprised at the Cabinet in the UK after the meetings took place yesterday. So we were waiting on Tenderhooks all day, initially for half past nine, then for 11 o'clock when the Premier League were due to meet, Mm -hmm. that they effectively gave power back to each individual sporting organisation to make a call on it. I wasn't one bit surprised because of just the nature of You know, unionism and loyalism that Ulster and Scotland were the first to call their fixtures. But I thought the longer the morning went on, it was more likely the Premier League were going to play as opposed to calling it off. And I thought, particularly when. The clubs and the Premier League had their own agency over what was going to happen this weekend and that they weren't going to turn around and say, well, look, the UK government have advised that we're in a 10-day morning period, so therefore we're not going to play. I was quite surprised at the Premier League, just with the nature of the year that's in it with the World Cup, that they decided at that point that they were going to call off the games for this weekend. I hope it's not something that they regret further down the line if there's any other reason for games to fall, say if it's weather or whatever else in the new year. I mean, it's a totally different place, Britain, to what it was in 1952 or whatever when she when she was
1: crowned. Like, I I I'd understand back then everything being called to a halt, and, and but but society now in Britain is is totally different. Some people don't agree with the royal family at all. Some people love the royal family. Do you know it, it's completely split. So. That the fact that society has, as a whole, has been been halted, to me seems like a strange one. Like I know the the Europa League went ahead on Thursday night. They kind of said, you know, Old Trafford was hosting one of the matches as well on Thursday. They kind of said it was too late to call the games off. But I mean, that that's fair enough. A lot of Real Sociedad fans have travelled over. But would would it not have been nicer this weekend? Maybe for you know, black armbands, the minute silence, do the do the tributes to the Queen in, in whatever way oh, they West Ham had a great tribute. Uh, yeah, and they could have done it this weekend for Premier League matches that went ahead. Do you I know? think the
3: people need bread and circus. Like, if you're going to have a situation where people still have to go to work between now and next Monday allow them to have some kind of relief away from this. It, like it even seemed, and I know we also saw the protocols that were in The Guardian, I think they were printed in 2017, and everyone got to see them again uh, during the week because they were reposted because the uh, Queen had just passed away. But this idea that you would kill comedy on TV for 10 days, that you would basically take away all the normalities in life and the distractions that are there uh, when you go and do your daily grind, it seems bizarre to me that things would stop for 10 days entirely. Mm. It's a strange one. Yeah, I I,
2: you know, I kind of see it a little bit differently. I just th- think this uh, 70 year is a long time. Yeah, look. And, you know, the, this lady... What, Whatever you think about monarchies and that, it was a world icon, and you can see that by the reaction of Joe Biden or or, or President Macron. Um,
1: I think the, I think it's a significant event in the UK. Hundred percent, and and it was one of those moments. They play the football matches eventually. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, like, but I, I see I see that point of view, and as someone who's into history as well, like like I get it. Like when I was sitting watching the BBC when when she died and when the God Save the Queen started playing, and I was thinking, this is this is one of those moments where, regardless of what you think of the monarchy, you'll, you'll remember where you were when you heard. Um, because she was on the throne for so long. So from a historical perspective I get the magnitude of it but obviously a lot of people in this country, don't agree with the monarchy, don't agree with colonialism or any of those things. But but also, if everything had stopped,
3: like everything yeah, didn't stop. Right now, England are playing South Africa in a cricket test match. That's The, the thing. It's Gallagher Premiership matches in the rugby have gone ahead this weekend. Some of them were shunted around on Thursday and Friday as a Mark Remembrance thing. That was just so close to the event itself. And right now, we've got the golf and the TV in front of us and we're watching Wentworth continue on, albeit in a slightly different format. But if all sports had stopped, you would understand it. If there had been advice to stop all sport, you could understand mm. I'm just really surprised that the Premier League made the decision. Now, Maybe it'll be probed more into during the week when they provide what they call their next uh, update in due course. But I feel even for anyone who's got Premier League tickets bought for next week. There are plenty of people who messaged um, yesterday and even emailed us here to say what's going to happen next weekend. I've got tickets booked for next week, or I've got my flights booked for next week. It seems insane that nine or possibly ten days after the Queen has passed away, that all fixtures that's will be the, off. That's the thing as well. Like I know you say you understand it, but what if, say for example, hypothetically you
1: had tickets and accommodation and flights to London booked to see Spurs this weekend or next,
3: or I had tickets to see Manchester United and. You'd, you'd pumped out another Spurs story, then you'd be able to say, "Well, you won't believe it. I hadn't been to anything except for that Formula One Grand Prix. I booked tickets to go see my night <laughs> yeah. Trafford and then unfortunately, the Premier League was called because a monarch died after seventy years." Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I can sympathise with people who
1: maybe have, and probably a lot of Irish people have, for this weekend and next. No, I would understand it. If I booked the Spurs tickets, I would understand it,
2: and I'd be pretty relaxed about it, to be honest. Yeah, you'd be hoping you good insurance for your travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: travel is well, it was cheap, not anymore. Like, thankfully, we've got domestic football that we can talk. We do at least we have football in the Republic with Derry City just a point off SSR Christy Premier Division leaders Shamrock Rovers this morning albeit having played two games more Michael Duffy's excellent first half strike saw them win 1-0 at home to Bohemians last night however the game was marred by a fall by Derry defender Kieran Cull which rendered him unconscious for 10 minutes and saw him taken to hospital so all the best to him in his recovery Dundalk spurned the chance to pull level on points with the leaders surprisingly going down 3-2 at UCD St. Pats had Anto Breslin sent off and saw Owen Doyle miss a first half penalty but still won 2-0 at Drogheda and Sligo Rovers were 2-0 winners away to Shelburne. Cork City can clinch the first division title with a win away to Galway United next week. An injury-time penalty from Rory Keating gave the Siders a 2-1 win away to 10-man Waterford last night. Galway dropped more points in their 1-all draw at Cove. Treaty United are edging closer to sealing a playoff spot following their 2-1 win over Bray Wanderers, while Athlone all but ended Wexford's playoff ambition with a 2-0 win. Uh, while the meeting of last season's top two is the standout among today's Women's National League fixtures, the current leaders, Shelburne, Welcome Pimount to Talca Park with that one kicking off at 7.35. Wexford Youths can go top for a couple of hours with a win at home to Cork City. Elsewhere there's a Connacht Derby but, uh, with Sligo Rovers up against Galway. DLR Waves play Athlone Town and Bohemians go to Treaty United. Now
2: on this week's Coigig Pod Karen Duggan joined Kathleen McNamee to discuss Vera Powell's Republic of Ireland qualifying for the World Cup playoffs. The full video is on the OTB YouTube channel and podcast in the, all the usual places in this clip. They're full of praise for West Ham midfielder Jess Sue who performed well in Slovakia during the week have a listen
0: it would be remiss of us not to mention Jessu and the shift she put in we've talked a lot about her in the context of going over to the WSL and what to expect from her there I suppose I'm much like a lot of the rest of the team she struggled a little bit at times last week but I thought like tonight we really saw what she was worth and what she can bring to this team and I mean listening to you guys talking about it on RT afterwards there was some some big claims being thrown around about what her potential is (laughs) I think she has huge potential because I, I know we spoke to her on this podcast you're really struck by how much she wants to improve and how much she analyzes her own game and she she wants to improve she doesn't think she's made it just because she's now starting with the senior team and that's a really good feature in such a young player and she wants to prove herself at West Ham and it's brilliant to have that ambition and I think, yeah, she struggled to get into the game against Finland, but I think it was a symptom of the shape we were playing. We were really under pressure down that left-hand side. They were, uh, the positioning was wrong and and Jamie Finn was getting a tough time and in that meant that Jess had to play deeper and the whole midfield was far too deep. Today, when she was released a little bit and the ball was played to her feet, she she caused us to get excited, you know, on the ball and we want to see more of that. And and she plays with a freedom and, that is refreshing because we're not used to seeing it. We have these very disciplined performances from a lot of our team, but she just kind of brings that spark and that edge. And I think we needed that because we're getting a lot from Katie on one side of the pitch, but like teams are going to recognise Katie as our main player. They're going to kick her. There needs to be other outlets, and she's a fantastic outlet. And I think when her and Heather and Katie and Denise get more time together, I think we'll see more interchange in their play, Mm
3: -hmm. and I think
0: that that can be a really good combination for us. Praying Megan Campbell stays fit because it does allow Katie to play in that, a more advanced position. Um, another mention to her, I thought she did really well considering how long she's been away to get two 90 minutes under her belt. More than Anthony, just confidence in her own fitness is probably going to be a huge thing. Um, and yeah, we still do depend on set pieces and she's a phenomenal weapon when it comes to that.
2: Now Karen Duggan and Cathy and McNamee were speaking on the Coy Gig Pod on OTB Sports which in association with Cadbury FC official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team
1: Now Larry watch McElroy watch mm-hmm. It's very interesting yeah Larry and McElroy both, uh, both back out for their second rounds at the BMW PGA Championship uh, McElroy of course teed off from four I'm going to check Shane Larry first because uh, myself and Will were watching him his tee shot went wayward on the first but uh, somehow managed to, to rescue a birdie he's one under through two holes for today which leaves him on seven under par for the tournament that's enough for five shots off the lead of Soren Kielsen. Uh, the Danish player he is one shot ahead of course of Victor Hovland uh, who is on 11 under uh, Larry, of course shooting the 66 in his opening round so hopefully he can keep those birdies c- coming and they c- kind of climb up the leaderboard this afternoon uh, McElroy then just looking down to see where
3: he is so he is uh, level par through two holes for his round today that he's leaves got him a up. very tricky position on the third so Good. McElroy took his tee shot just a couple of moments ago and he got a bad bounce that seems to have plugged into the bunker so he's going to have a tricky recovery shot here we didn't get to see on the TV how Shane Larry actually rescued from the first because he went well to the right and into the crowd. Now thankfully the crowd were able to disperse as the ball was coming through. Um, rescued uh, par on the first hole and then birdie the second. So very decent start from Shane Larry, yeah. as, as already mentioned by Shane. It was the two Scandinavian players who ripped it up this morning. It's hard to chase
2: now with 54 hole tournaments. Hard to chase this. Yeah. So I Larry know. really needs to be probably about 10 under par. I'd say to have a chance to win tomorrow.
3: I'd say realistically. I mean, there's good scores to be had out there. You know, Soren Kelson I think picked up six shots across basically the yeah. middle section of his round today so he had um, another round I mean a 64 it, might be like, it just
2: doesn't seem there's any wind there it seems like pin hunting
3: yeah and look there's been some players who've just been playing slightly frustratingly I thought John Ram was about to uh, break his iron across his knee a moment ago yeah good, he's not being the happiest camper no. good for news John. for John Ram is when he goes down to see where the ball has gone it has stayed just inside the mark where it could have went out of bounds so uh, thankfully for him he should be able to rescue back but um, again, uh, John Ram, if he plays to form, he's going to be able to challenge. But it's difficult to get up around double digits today on the second round. Uh,
2: I don't think there's any reason given, but one of the live rebels, Sergio Garcia, withdrew mm. after his first round. So we might get the reason in a while. Um, we know it's,
1: a, it's basically a live event in some ways reduced to 54 holes like event. the live tournaments. So, yeah.
2: so women's golf and OTB in association with KPMG proudly
1: supporting women in sport. What is happening on the LPGA Tour Shane? Yeah the Queen City Championship is the event on the LPGA Tour this weekend in Cincinnati. John Leona Maguire is in a tie for 12th on 7 under par at the halfway point ahead of the third round later on today. The Cavan woman shot an opening round of 70 before her 67 yesterday. That leaves her 6 off the lead of South Korea's Jung Yoon Lee 6. As well as Stephanie Tease off this afternoon from two under par. So, US Open tennis, what's happening there? Yeah, the Spanish teenager Carlos Alcaraz has become the youngest man to reach a Grand Slam tennis final since 2005. The 19 year old beat Francis TFO in five sets to reach the men's decider of the US Open, where he will face Caspar Ruud. The Norwegian also needed to go the distance to get past Russ's Karin Kachanov. The winner will also become the new world number one, a new era perhaps in men's tennis. While Jabeur hopes to land her first Grand Slam title at the second attempt tonight, the Tunisian plays top seed Iga Sviantek in the women's singles final at the US Open, Play due to get underway on the Arthur Ashe court at around about 9pm. Wexford GA news. Yeah, some news that came out uh, this morning, this afternoon, perhaps not that surprising. Wexford GA have announced they are proposing John Hegarty as their new senior football manager for ratification at the county committee meeting on September 20th. Uh, his backroom team will be finalised in advance and announced at that meeting also. Uh, John is a native of Killinairn, now living in Wexford. He played 105 times for Wexford during his intercounty career spanning from 1995 to 2006, scoring 21 goals and 125 points in the process. He won one intermediate and six senior football football championships with his club Killin'Erin a railway cup with Leinster and a Sigerson Cup with UCD and as manager he has won senior football championships as player manager with Killin'Erin and then as manager with Shell Milliers. Rugby news Yep Ireland's men's and women's sevens teams both have done have, uh, quarterfinals at the World Cup in Cape Town this evening hosts South Africa stand in the way of the men's team at a place in the last four while the women's team have the tough task of facing New Zealand in their quarterfinal
2: so, the racing-wise, we've got a big one, 3.45, Leopards 10, Longines, Irish Champions Weekend, the Royal Bahrain, Irish Champion Stakes, Vedeni, Luxembourg, Mishriff, the top three in the market. This is going to be a really good day's racing, eight races, Shane.
1: Yeah, Irish Champion Stakes, that one you mentioned, John, the feature, that is off, as you said, at a quarter to four, while the first of an eight-race card is underway in just under ten minutes' time at half past one. Who do you have in the... The big one, the Irish Champions Stakes?
2: Um, I would like the favourite, Denny. Won the Eclipse at Sandown, won the French Derby. Um, Christophe Sumian rides. Um, I'd like Videni in this one, uh, over one mile and two. But Luxembourg was, will be a lot better than he showed the last time. I think it's going to be for Denny's race, though. But it's it's interesting to see how the Irish-trained horses will get on today and at the Curra tomorrow.
1: Has it had much of an impact in terms of English horses coming over here, or is that any any effect, I wonder?
2: Well, I mean, the, the big one was Bayeed, and he's not coming. Uh, so that was, the, I suppose, the, a little bit of a disappointment. But it's so competitive in terms of, of other races happening this time, like the Ark is well, less than one's time. Um, yeah, like uh, William Haggis is sending over Hamish for the Irish at Ledger tomorrow at the Curris, so... I think we have a lot of good horses here yeah. um, so I wouldn't be too worried about it at the moment like Kiprios favor favourite for the ledger and like he was the king of the
1: middle distance races in the UK this year should be a decent day's racing for sure Leopardstone just some news that's come in here uh, Derry City as I mentioned the game marred last night um, with uh, their win at home to Bose their Derry defender Kieran Call rendered unconscious for 10 minutes he was taken to hospital the good news uh, Derry City confirming today he, he is uh, discharged from hospital following last night's injury concerns that's just come in so that's a positive news on the absolute front from, uh, from Kieran Call uh, some Formula 1 as well lads today the uh, defending Formula 1 world champion Max Verstappen has been given a five place grid penalty for this weekend's Italian Grand Prix at Monza that I mentioned. The Red Bull driver finished second in practice yesterday in between the uh, two Ferraris. There was practice ongoing at uh, the third practice. Carlos Sainz, who's also received a penalty, set the pace with teammate Charlotte Clare in third. Head of the qualifying later today, which gets underway at three o'clock Irish time. Uh, he was ahead of McLaren's Lando Norris. Mercedes George Russell was fifth, split from teammate Lewis Hamilton by the second red ball of Sergio Perez. But we'll keep an eye on the qualifying across the show today. The, the, the uh, news on today, of Williams driver Alex Albon will miss the Italian Grand Prix as a result of contracting appendicitis. The British tie will be re- replaced by Mercedes reserve driver Nick De Vries. Uh, Williams' statement said Albon was feeling unwell this morning and sought treatment from doctors glad that they caught it in its early stages he is fine but uh, he will miss the r- r- racing at uh, Monza this weekend and uh, finally for me some mixed martial arts UFC 279 has had some late shake-ups to the card out of the action tonight in Las Vegas yesterday morning Kamzal Kimayev missed weight by 7.5 pounds for his highly anticipated bout against Nate Diaz in the main of the card. And that forced the UFC and Dana White to change things around. Uh, the fight's now headlining. Nate Diaz will take on Tony Ferguson. Kimaev will take on he- Kevin Holland. He wasn't uh, able to lose the weight in, in order to uh, face Nate Diaz. And Li Liang will fight Daniel Rodriguez.
2: So what's the biggest thing ticking in your minds, lads, sporting-wise? Is it
1: all the talking points at the start of the football season? or? The biggest thing in my mind, John, is the fact that it's September tenth and Monaghan don't have a manager.
3: Still, despite, despite your attempts on to PM on Tuesday, yeah, it was not going to be Jar
1: Brennan was going to get it. I thought Jar Brennan was going to get it. Jason Sherlock was going to get it. Um, we've had a lot of names mooted. Uh, Dinky McBride, Karen McBride was even. Who mentioned. would you like to see get it? Do you know what? Um, I, I think you should say it to him on air. <laughs> I hope, I hope John John Mahoney, He's probably listening in. But uh, if you want to say it to John Mahoney on air, make a call out. He's Salte not manager at the minute. Mm. Uh, doing good things with them. Uh, he's two All-Irelands with Galway. He won that kind of title with Leitrim in '94. He's still in management. You know they'll probably pay the diesel expenses as I've said <laughs> up to Monaghan. So if he wants if he wants a job, I know there are asking him and Don't even use the word petrol up there, dear. Of course, no, 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 no diesel. Uh, but. I know Dunie Ross Common are in a similar situation to Monaghan, but maybe not an as embarrassing a situation in Monaghan, in that people were essentially looked like they were in the job and then pulled out late, late on. So, uh,
3: yeah, they need they need someone quick. So John, a weird one though, Shane, because I, like I would have thought Monaghan would have been a particularly attractive job given their consistency in recent seasons, given. Yeah like how close they were to Tyrone a couple of years ago, went on to win the All-Ireland title, and it seems every year they're in contention for both playing in Division 1 and to get into Ulster finals. So yeah. it should be one of the most attractive well, jobs that's, around. Well, that's three Division 1 jobs that, that haven't been snapped
1: up, which which is surprising. And, like, Monaghan job is a good... Like, Division 1 team next year, it's high profile, even a competitive Ulster championship.
3: I is know there a lack of internal candidates there when you're look, casting your net here?
1: Well, the problem was one of the candidates that went forward with Jason Sherlock and Brendan Fanning, uh, or Brendan Hackett, was... Um, uh, Mark Cunahan the Monaghan minor manager the outgoing Monaghan minor manager and uh, they they opted against Mark uh, for whatever reason they'd probably take his hand off now to put him in, in charge given what's what's materialised and people turning the, the job down Jar Brennan was one of them who's turned it down since uh, and at the minute in Monaghan the pub talk is zilch it was for a while those names being mooted right now I'm not hearing of any names I know that the county board usually meets on a Monday evening so
3: maybe we'll hear something next Monday evening but uh, I'm not even hearing any rumours. Did the you minute. feel snubbed that Pat's plan didn't name-check you when he said there were jobs he'd be interested in? Yeah, 100%. Needs the best job in the country. Yeah, yeah, Monaghan's yeah. right
1: there. Yeah, and Donnie Buckley, a carry man, came up, came up the road from uh, from the Kingdom or from Clare where he's living uh, last year as well. So, look, I hope I hope it's... Uh, because the Monaghan Senior Championship is ongoing mm. and you'd like to think that the Monaghan yeah. incoming manager will be watching some of these matches. So it's worrying. And Monaghan have a good, some good young players in that panel too. They've won minors and other 21s okay. in Ulster. So... Please, if anyone's listening and available, John O'Mahony's probably on the line. You can say it to him later, John, if he, if he wants a job. Well, what's going
3: on in your mind, uh, sports-wise? Uh, NFL's back this weekend. Wow, okay. uh, I've said many times. Uh, it's the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I actually kind of fancy the Buffalo Bills after watching right, the, like the opening game. The, the um, biggest yeah, heartbreakers in history. That's that's the problem, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but they put. They put the Rams, the defending champions, to the swords the other night. Josh Allen uh, threw for three touchdowns, ran for one himself. And like very impressive to go to so- SoFi Stadium, which was where the Super Bowl was played last year, and to hammer the reigning champions. Like A lot falls on Josh Allen if they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I think they've got a good balance about them. And every- what's worrying me slightly is I kind of fancy the Bills after watching them tail end of last year and watching the way they traded. And now loads of experts are going, yeah, I think the Bills might win. So then you start to get worried that everyone is possibly piling in them early in the season. But I love the Super Bowl. I love uh, usually getting home from work on a Sunday around about half past six particularly this time of year put red zone on and like it's just such an enjoyable way to probably while away the first three or four hours of your evening I don't know if um, our listeners are probably as dedicated to stay up for the late games uh, but definitely it's a really really good Sunday night viewing the season is short just get invested for a short time and then move on with your life again. That's why I love the NFL. And a forty-five-year-old Tom Brady, we'll keep an eye on him across the year. Now, Sam Monson
1: was on with chair last night talking NFL. I think he picked the Bills and maybe Philadelphia Eagles as a kind of mm-hmm. underdog for the year. Interestingly uh, enough, as well, it's so a dark horse. So The dark horse, so to speak. So uh, yeah, forty-five-year-old
3: Tom Brady, still keeping our I still can't believe he's playing there after we did our big retirement special on Beach And the night he was meant to retire, and with all the speculation, he was going to come out of retirement for one day, sign for the Patriots and retire Sorry, as Did a I Patriot. say the Patriots? I used to the Patriots uh, Tampa yeah, Bay of course. Tampa yeah, Bay but yeah, then of yeah. course the story was he was trying to force through a move to go to Miami from Tampa Bay yeah, that yeah. then didn't transpire then he retired came out of retirement so there's so much drama about Tom before he even gets on <laughs> the field this year so interesting to see if he can still do his thing though because he finished out last season pretty strong mm. Modern and the Buffalo Bills
2: were not the answers I expected, the very original <laughs> answers, lads. So Shane, go. Hannah, Willa Callan, thanks as always for joining me on the news round. Victor Hovland has gone to 12 under par 68 on day two, as it is now, of the BMW PGA Championship, tied for the lead on 12 under with uh, Saren Kelson, Shane, Larry trying to make up the ground.